All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody welcome to dropping the gloves tim so the roof is done and i I worked a lot on that welcome everybody (laughs) so my wife's been making me these iced coffees have you ever experienced this i don't drink coffee you don't that's right why do i always forget this i don't know tell me about it though so it's delicious and i i've grown accustomed to it to the point where now I drink a hot coffee. I'm like, man, I miss the iced coffee flavor. So I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I just took a sip of my coffee. I'm at work and it's black coffee and the coffee's cold and it tastes disgusting because my wife puts this special creamer in it. That's delicious. And I work, I just have black coffee because I keep it simple. It's supposed to be healthy for you. Did, did you know that? Iced coffee? Just coffee in general, if it's black. Not if you have it every day. There's no way that's true. It's it. There's a study that says coffee's good for you. I'm sure there's also a study that says coffee's bad for you. Your mic sounds terrible, Tim, but I agree. Does it? Now it's better. All right. So other than my coffee, the big expansion draft happened. And it kind of went off much like the playoffs in the season without any it, it was kind of like a fizzle. Everyone was so excited. The draft, the expansion draft, who are they going to pick? This is going to be great. It's going to be this big. They get to set the stage up. They got the players in their jerseys. And didn't it feel like Frank Saravelli ruined it? Because he just like broke every single pick. And I love Frank. I texted him this morning. I'm like, Frank, you killed it, man. Like you're putting Darren Drager out of a job. Like you're, you're doing unbelievable stuff over there. But it, it, there was no theatrics behind it. I know they had Marshawn Lynch and a couple, you know, Seattle Supersonics players and Sue Bird and all these people. I don't know. What, was it interesting to you? There was, to me, it was just like, okay, Frank tweeted out 30 picks and now we're moving on with our day. We didn't have to waste any time. Well, I don't know. What did you think of the whole, the whole draft itself? Well, yesterday morning was a lot of fun, like seeing Frank's picks and Dreger and all the other guys and, and LeBron like kind of tweeting out stuff that was happening and UFA stuff. But the the live event last night was pretty much a non-event. Like it was just there was nothing exciting to watch. I, I flipped around and I was kind of like, yeah, this, I already know what's going to happen. So that it just doesn't mean anything at that point. There was no like there were a few surprises 
over who they took, which which I kind of had to wrap my head around. But yeah, the actual event itself, I think every pick was leaked except for the Detroit Red Wings pick. The every other pick I knew in advance who they were going to take. So it wasn't this big event, but you know, it was fun. It's almost like when I was growing up, we would get our PlayStation, me and my friend Ray Winnington. Shout out to Ray. Not even sure if he listens to it. He this podcast. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he doesn't. I don't I don't know. But we would sit down weekly and we would draft teams. And we would, okay, everyone's a free agent. We have a cap. Who are we going to take? But everyone was available. And it was so much fun. And we'd play a season with those players. And what we would do, we would simulate the regular season. We'd play the playoffs. And then, you know, we'd meet in the Stanley Cup final. And it felt like that. And it was really fun to kind of pick who you would want to get. And I think when we did it with Vegas, no one knew what to expect. And we're like, what's happening? There were so many trades with Vegas. It was almost overwhelming. It was like, okay, you know, now we're going to Carolina. They trade this guy. They trade this guy. They're taking this cap. And it was just too much. And with this Seattle one, I think they simplified it, which was a smart thing. They said, no trades. We're not going to announce them today. We're just going to do draft picks. We'll do the trades tomorrow. And it worked. There was, there was no distractions, but it still wasn't that fun. And uh, Seattle Kraken is a team now. They have players. They have they're they're paying players to play hockey now, which is good. What did you think of their picks? We'll go through them all. You know, there there wasn't any big names. I think the biggest name they picked is Mark Giordano. And if your biggest player that you pick is a thirty-seven-year-old defenseman it's not going to be an exciting year in Seattle. And mind you, all of this is taken with a grain of salt because they will make a big splash in free agency. There will be other players that they add, but this is just an initial reaction to the 30 players that they have on their roster right now. So I don't know. What did you think of their team? What do you think of their makeup? What do you, how do you think Ron Francis did? I think he did pretty well, and clearly the name of the game was was cap space, right? Like, they, the picks they made, they kind of Belichicked it, right? They went for value as opposed to the best player. Like, what players can we can we get at, at an entry-level contract or, like, those, those smaller deals um, and then, you know, free up the cap space in order to make a bigger trade that hopefully maybe some announced this week. And they have enough cap space to really go after any UFA they want. So that's clearly what they that, – that was their kind of priority there. Uh, so I think he did a good job. And I think he opens up like all kinds of exciting opportunities. Like Frank tweeted yesterday, it's going to be a crazy couple of days and crazy couple of weeks as we enter free agency. So it'll be interesting to see what they do and how much they uh, really the players like the, the UFAs. If I'm a Landeskog, I'm trying to win a cup, right? Do I really want to go sign with this franchise? That's there's no way they're going to repeat what, what Vegas did their first couple of years. It's, it's just, that was lightning in a bottle. So am I looking at this and seeing a team that's up and coming? Or am I looking at this saying, there's no way I'm going to win a cup in five or 10 years. I don't know. Probably not. I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I feel like they will be able to sign free agents based off of what Vegas did. And players are going to see, well, Vegas, you know, they, they stepped right into the playoffs and then they're in the Stanley Cup finals and they're one of the top teams in the NHL. There was no growing pains with the Vegas Golden Knights, as you've seen in other expansion teams in year past, where it takes them years with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers, where it's like, okay, they, they need some time to develop some players and get some players in their system. Vegas totally just debunked that whole thing. And I think players, and you saw it with Larson, Adam Larson, got the same exact deal offered by the Edmonton Oilers. Exact same term, exact same dollars. And he said, you know what? I'm going with Seattle. 
And that's a big statement for a player to leave a team like Edmonton when you have those superstars, when you have that kind of camaraderie with your team, when you have that familiarity, and you're just going, nope, I'm going to Seattle. That's a big slap in the face of Edmonton. That sends red flags up the flagpole to me if I'm looking at Edmonton. But if I'm a free agent, I'm going, you know what? I look at the Seattle team. They got Adam Larson signed up. They got a really, 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 really good decor. If I'm a team in the NHL and I'm a GM and I'm looking at Seattle, I'm like, their decor is already better than mine. And they haven't played one game. Ron Francis, when he was with Carolina, he prides himself on having a very, very good defensive team. And that's what he, you know, stakes his claim at. And he nailed it with the Seattle Kraken. Every single pick that he had in mind was on the defensive side of the game. And I'm not even talking about the defensemen. All of his forwards are two-way forwards. It's, it's funny, whenever they drafted a forward, it's like, okay, the description of the forward. You know, he's a good two-way forward. He goes up and down the lineup. He can play, you know, any role. He's very responsible in his own end. That's every single player that they picked was a forward who can kind of move up and down the lineup. No superstars. Don't get me wrong. Scoring goals for Seattle is going to be very difficult this coming year. It's not like they, they have goals coming up the yin They got Jordan Ebley. Yanni Gord isn't really lighting the lamp. Jonas Donskoy, he's, he's a serviceable second-line guy. But other than those guys, it's like, who are you going to rely on to score goals? Hopefully they'll address that in the offseason. They have a ton of cap space, like you said, with $30 million. But they're going to win games one nothing, Tim. They're going to win games 2-1. to one. And if I'm a free agent, I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at what Vegas have done. I'm like, this isn't a bad setup. It's an exciting time in Seattle, and you know the rink's going to be rocking. They're going to have all kinds of fans. They're going to do all everything they can to get this team out there in the market. Why not? Why not if you're a Gabe Landeskog? Why not if you're one of these other big free agent guys? You know what? I'm going to go to Seattle. I'm going to be the face of the franchise, and I'm going to turn this thing around. And another thing, when Vegas drafted their team, who knew William Carlson was going to turn into William Carlson? Who knew Alex Tuck was that good? Who knew all of these young guys who had maybe had the opportunity to produce on that stage and get the ice time, get the power play time, get those type of minutes, all of a sudden turn into superstars. And you're like, whoa, why would this team give up a Carlson or a Tuck or any number of these other, other players who Vegas have on the roster? And that's what Seattle did. They're gambling a lot. They got a lot of guys who just are getting an opportunity. I was saying Apple because I was thinking of Mason Appleton from Winnipeg, who's a good player but he gets overshadowed by Shifley and Wheeler and all these other guys in Winnipeg. It's like, you know what? He was a point, every other game point guy. You put him in Seattle, all of a sudden he gets a, maybe a second line role. You got yourself something there and he only makes 900,000 and he's going to be an RFA. So you can lock him up for a long term and then, you know, a decent contract. So I think Seattle played it smart. The name of the game now, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on. I got a ton of thoughts going on in my head. The name of the game for the next two or three years is going to be salary cap. The name of the game is going to be, can you be smart with the books? And there were a lot of sexy names out there. There were a lot of teams that were dangling these carrots and the media love talking about it. It's like, oh, well, are they going to take Carey Price? Are they going to take Vladimir Tarasenko? Are they going to take these high salary guys? Philadelphia is basically offering the whole, the whole cupboard and kitchen and sink and everything. Take it all. No. Ronnie Francis, he's been around. He's like, I'm not going to fall for your guys' tricks. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to take guys who have flexible contracts, like you said. I'm going to have guys who are young, who I can control for a long term. And if it's not there and that team has nobody, I'm just going to take nobody who I can throw in the AHL. I'm not going to have to deal with them again. And I, I think he knocked out of the park. 
And what's interesting, all right, sorry, what do you got to say, Tim? I, I'm just I'm just rambling and no one wants to hear me talk. They love them some Tim. So what I don't go ahead. No, your points were good. I'm just I'm curious whether you think like how hard did Ron Francis and crew do you think they really looked at Carrie Price? Do you think that was ever a realistic option for them? Or do you think it was never really on the table? Never, ever, ever an option. Why? They already had Dreger. They had him locked up. They had a negotiation period with him. And it's like, do you think you're going to have Carey Price making 10.5 and you're going to have Dreger making 3.5? You're going to lock up your goaltenders for $14 million. The only other tandem in the league who has that much locked up in their goaltenders is Vegas. It, it, it's, it was never a consideration. I don't know. It, that was just something to get the talking heads at TSN to talk about. That's honestly what it was. There was nothing. There was no news. Carey Price wasn't protected. It was a really smart move by Bergevin because he wanted to protect Jake Allen because he's a really good backup goaltender. He knew. Bergevin was begging them to take Carey Price. I know he had a good playoff series. The guy's tied up for five more years at $10 million. He's got knees. He's got hips. He's not going to last that long. And this contract was good this year because he played great. What was everybody saying about Carey Price last year or two years ago? Oh, he's not playing great. This contract looks really, really bad. Next year when Montreal takes the ice and Carey Price falters a little bit and he's injured and he's having some issues, it's going to be like, oh, boy, here we go again. Carey Price for four more years is going to be a train wreck. So he wanted them to take Carey Price. It was just a ploy. The media people loved it. They jumped on the bandwagon. It was just like, oh, this is great. Carey Price, what are we going to do? Zero percent chance Ron Francis saw that and was like, oh, you know what? We're taking Carey Price. With the other good goalies that were out there, there was a lot of good goalies. Uh, Minnesota's young guy, Kakinen, I think it is, or Lakinen, Lakinen, whatever Oscar. his name is, some Finnish, yeah, whatever it is. Finnish kin ends in a kin. There's so many of them, Tim. I get them confused. The guy they got from uh, Washington, Vitacek, Vitali, VV, double VV squared. He's a really good young goaltender. I like him. So they did okay. They picked up uh, Discord from Ottawa, who they'll throw in the AHL. I don't. Where is their AHL team? You know where it's going to be. I don't. No idea. I, I don't either. But anyways, I think they made the smart move in the goaltender category. Dreger, he's a good goaltender, unproven, only played, what, 40-some games. But, you know, you sign him to a it, – it's a big number for him right now, but if he plays well next year, it's a good deal, a 3.5. I like the way they set up their team. The only contract where I'm scratching my head is the Oleksiak contract. 4.6 a year for five years. I'm just like, what? When did this guy get really good? When did he all of a sudden turn into a guy where you're going to throw that much money at him? I don't understand that contract. Every other deal they made, Larson, $4 million a year. I like that. It was a smart day for Ronnie Francis. I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think of Tim? Uh, well, for Alexiak, I think he was such a huge part of the, the Dallas Cup run last year. So they're probably looking at that saying, you know what, we, it, there's also not, not that many defensemen who have body, like big frames like that, that can also skate and – and not hurt you offensively and that kind of thing. He's certainly not leading the charge, but I think he's a good player. 4.6 is probably a little bit much, but that's what it takes to sign some of these guys in the open market. So I'm not totally surprised by that. Um, yeah. What I'm excited about is just that because because the Kraken passed on all these big contracts, like the Tarasenko, JVR, Price, like all these big deals that, that players wanted them to take, they're forcing the hands of these other franchises now who are still up or against the cap or even over it. And they, and they were banking on, you know, the crack in Seattle taking these contracts, taking one of them. Now they don't. So it kind of forces these guys' hands to make a trade to to potentially do a buyout like Minnesota did with Suter and Parise. Like all new kinds of possibilities are going to happen. It'll be so fascinating to see what these GMs do and whether or not the Kraken have these kind of like, 
backroom handshake deals on some of these players as well. Yeah, the buyout window's closed, Tim, so there's no more buyouts this year. So the interesting thing is there's a ton of good free agents available too. So you have these teams who weren't successful last year, the Nashville Predators, the Philadelphia Flyers, the St. Louis Blues, they have these big contracts. What's going to happen? Is it just going to be like star for star trade? Are we going to see like Tarasenko and Voracek just get flipped to maybe see if we can find, you know, better result in a different situation? Are we going to see teams just taking on a ton of cap to get rid of players? It's going to be so interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. There were purportedly a bunch of trades that happened during the draft and people were like clamoring, like, why isn't this like Vegas? Where's all the trades? What's happening? There's no trades because they're going to release them tonight. So there were some situations where it's like, well, why didn't he take this guy? Why didn't he take that guy? I'm sure there'll be trades that'll come out where it's like, okay, well, Seattle is picking this player and you know, they're going to give him a cap space or, some picks or whatever it is for not taking that guy. So we'll see that coming out tonight. But what do we do with all these UFAs? If you're a team like Philadelphia or St. Louis or Nashville who wants to contend and you see all these players or that are UFAs and you want to take, take a stab at them, but you have no cap space, it's going to be so interesting. What do you think is going to happen to all these top UFAs? Well, the list of teams that can afford them is, seems like it's pretty narrow, right? So that's, I mean, it plays in Kraken's favor for sure because they got probably the most cap room, I would guess, of anyone. And then you have, also have these up-and-coming teams like Ottawa and Detroit where they're still looking for their guy and they're probably another year or two from contending. Maybe Ottawa's closer than Detroit, but these teams have cap space. And if I'm, if I'm a Atlanta Skog or, or a Vetchkin who's still <laughs> – I can't believe he hasn't signed with Washington yet. Do you think there's any chance that he doesn't? I think he was waiting until after the expansion draft, potentially waiting until free agent starts to maybe see if a team does come at him. Uh, what well, we saw it last year with Zidane Chara. Or even, so it, yeah. Well, I wonder if he's doing them a solid by, by not signing. He's letting them protect another player and then he'll sign after. Well, right? of course. Yeah, that's obviously a conversation. We, we saw that. We've seen that before. And if they have an agreement, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back, protect somebody else. We're all good. But we saw it last year with Zidane Chara. Everyone just expected him to sign with Boston. And it was just like a, a foregone conclusion. Then all of a sudden, wait a minute, he's gone. So this could be a possibility. Cap space is at a premium. I beat that dog to death. And what is Ovi going to do? Is, does he think Washington is a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Again, they flamed out for the last few years in the first round. They've had no life at all in the playoffs. They're, they're a shell of their former selves. Kuznetsov, I don't know what's happened to him since he won the Stanley Cup. Backstrom has been okay. They they don't look like the team that won in a few years back. So I don't know what he's going to do. Does does he seem like a loyal guy to you who's just going to stay with one franchise for his whole career? Or is he going to pull a Ray Bork or Mike Madonna or a, a guy who just jumped ship right at the end of his career to chase a couple more Stanley Cups? I don't know. That's going to be interesting. What happened yesterday during the expansion draft and we touched on it earlier with Adam Larson signing at Edmonton. How bad does the Oilers situation look right now? When you bring in Duncan Keith, you take his whole salary cap, and you lose Adam Larson to the Seattle Kraken, who you were banking on returning, and your decor doesn't look so hot like it did last year. When you lose your one number one guy, you bring in a 37-year-old Duncan Keith with a large number to it, and then they've also been linked. And this is what, this is what shocked me. They've been linked to Zach Hyman a big trade and a big term signing. What do you think of the Oilers? How have they fumbled this off season? Is there any, how do you not know 
that Adam Larson is not going to sign with you in Edmonton. You let him walk to the Seattle Kraken for free, for nothing. You trade this guy for Taylor Hall a few years back, a few years back, your number one pick, the face of your franchise, Taylor Hall. You go, we need to get some defensive help. You bring in Adam Larson. He's played okay. You know, he's not a very sexy player. He gets the job done. His, his analytics in the D zone are off the charts. He's really, really good in the D zone. That's exactly what you want out of a defenseman like him. What is Edmonton doing? How bad does it look for Edmonton right now, Tim? Well, there's a video that circulated the other day, uh, yesterday, of um, Larson speaking, I want to say in March, like not that long ago, it's in, this, in this year, and talking about how much he loved Edmonton, how long he, you know, he wanted to finish his career here. And then, obviously, he left now for, for equal money with another franchise. So I, I'm wondering, like, what happened between now and then that he saw that? This part of it, I mean, Edmonton right now is reportedly closing in on multi-year, as in more than one, with 39-year-old goaltender Mike Smith. Was he looking around like we're not getting any closer to, to a cup? And he's like wants to try it with a fresh start. And maybe maybe it's the media, the Canadian market, the Edmonton market. Maybe that's tough for him. And he doesn't want he is sick of that. I'm also curious too to know like Duncan Keith in his mind was he planning on playing with it with Larson? I don't know if they'd be partners straight out, or I'm sure they you know be on the PK PP together, all that kind of stuff. Like, is he frustrated now where he's like this is not the team that I thought I was joining? Well, yeah. Well, with, without a doubt. Now, if you look at Edmonton's defense, their number one guy is Darnell Nurse. Then you have Duncan Keith. And then you're expecting Adam Larson. And you're hopefully getting Tyson Berry to resign. If you're losing Larson and Tyson Berry and your top two guys are Nurse and Keith, that's not good. And if you're looking around, you're McDavid and trying. It's just it's happening again. If your big signing is going to be Zach Hyman and Duncan Keith this offseason, do you honestly think this is making your team better? I didn't know about Mike Smith. That is absolutely bonkers if they offer him a multi-year deal. That is absolutely bonkers, and Ken Holland should give his head a shake. The other GMs in that division should be like, what is he doing? What? what? Like, you're getting this gift from the other team because they keep signing these donkeys. Not donkeys. That's a strong word. They keep signing these guys who are past their prime, and they're giving oh, them all Oh, Tim, I'm hungry. Money. Are you hungry? Like, what are we doing? Starving. Should we go to the restaurant? There's a ton of traffic. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, what should we do? You know what? I can't even drive, John. We'll we find another option. Oh, you know what I've heard of? It's DoorDash. Let's get some food. You know what? Let's pull up our phone. We'll get the app. We'll get some DoorDash. And you know what? This goes for all our listeners, too. If you guys want to get some food right now with Tim and I, pull out your DoorDash app, scroll around, enter promo code GLOVESDD. You're going to get 25% off your first order, $15 or more, and you're going to get free delivery. That's an unbelievable deal. It's only available to our listeners. Go to DoorDash, download the app, go to the website, look up a restaurant in your area. There's millions of them. Don't worry. It's not even going to be an issue. Enter promo code GLOVES, pluralized S, GLOVES, DD. You're going to get 25% off your order. You're going to get free delivery. Anything over $15, which let's be honest, is every order they have. And it's going to be great. You can thank me later. Go to DoorDash, GLOVES, DD. You're welcome. Here's here's the good thing that happened with the expansion draft. The San Jose Sharks, a team that I love, my former team, they're going to make the playoffs next year because all the other teams in their division are just trending downwards. Seattle's not going to be that great next year. They're not going to be able to score any goals unless they somehow make a move. Edmonton's trending downwards. Calgary's trending downwards. Vancouver had an awful year. L.A. 
Anaheim are looking like they're not doing anything. You're sitting here and you're San Jose. The only teams I have to compete with are Vegas. Like this is going to be great. And maybe a Dallas team. I don't know if Dallas is going to be in the West anyway. You're, you're, you're sitting pretty good right now if I'm San Jose. I'm looking at the division. Like I can beat four to five of these teams. And I didn't even have to do anything. I'm just standing pat. Like this, this is going to be a good year for me based on just everyone else is terrible. It's, it's just a funny situation how you can bumble a whole division, but this whole division is just, I, I don't know. I don't want to get wrapped up into it, but the Pacific division is not looking too good right now. One team that I was impressed with who has quietly gone about and had a really, really good offseason, a team that has been in the final four of all hockey teams in the last two years of semifinals, that is the New York Islanders. So we talked about the Nick Letty trade to Detroit. That was a good deal. We thought it, you know, it worked out for both teams. The Islanders got up from under his cap and they got some prospects back. It was a good team, good trade for both teams. I thought Nick Letty is a good player. The Islanders got a couple good players back in return and a draft pick. Win-win. Did you see this Andrew Ladd trade? <laughs> Can you call it that? What, what, what? I did not see it. It must have slipped through the cracks. I had no idea Andrew Ladd was still in the league. I thought he retired a couple of years ago. He makes $5.5 million. And for some odd reason, the Arizona Coyotes needed to have him. And I don't And yes, they got a couple of draft picks, a second, second, third. That's not that good of a return. How often do you see a second rounder pan out, a third rounder pan out? And they have to take on Andrew Ladd and his $5.5 million contract. Is Arizona already just throwing in the towel? They're just giving up draft. They're getting draft picks and like, we're, we're, we're punting on this season already. We're taking Andrew Ladd. That's what it means. Like when I was with Arizona, they traded for Chris Pronger. They traded for Pavel Datsuk. They traded for Marion Hosa. It's like, what are we doing here? Are, are we just another teams like just piggy bank where they can just throw their bad contracts onto us and we'll, we'll get draft picks. Like when does the, the winning start? Like when, when do we stop sucking and taking on bad contracts and start winning? It just seems like Arizona's perpetually taking on terrible contracts and just getting draft picks. I don't, I don't understand the reasoning behind this, but did you see this trade? Like why, why what's happening? And they got nothing in return. I didn't know that was legal. Like, it was just take Ladd in the picks, and we don't want anything back. Like, that's, that's what it was. And it was nothing. Like, we'll give you three draft picks and Andrew Ladd and all his money. We want nothing. Arizona's like, are you sure? You don't want anything? <laughs> take us to a couple games? Like, no, nothing. Did you know that take- was, like, legal under the CBA? Like, you could even do that? Maybe they, a player to be named later. I don't know what I don't know what the contract looked like. It'd be it'd be interesting to see the one side of the sheet. So it's got like fifteen things, and there's just like nothing on the other side. How bad do you feel if you're Andrew Ladd? Oh yeah, and well, sure I don't know. He's making good money. I'm sure. He's well, that's fun. what I mean. I, I'm sure he's a great guy, and that's funny. He's making good money. That came up in my <laughs> when I got suspended for the clean hit against Louis Erickson. Brennan Shanahan looked at me across the table, and it's an in-person hearing, so you know you're getting whacked already with a big big suspension. I'm sitting there with my GM and Shani's showing me the video and this and that we're going through it. And he's like, well, what were you thinking here? What were you thinking here? And it's so hard to have those conversations. Cause he's like literally stopping it every two seconds. And what were you thinking here, John? What were you thinking here? And the whole time I'm like Shani, I'm thinking I'm going to bury this guy at center ice and we're going to go down and score. Like, what do you want me to say? And so afterwards he pauses on Louis Erickson on the ice. And he's like, do you think it was a good hit? I was like, yeah. I do. I'm like, the optics were bad. You know, after the hit, my elbow, you know, extended, but it, my, my elbow didn't hit him. My shoulder hit his head. He put himself in a bad spot. He's, he shouldn't be admiring his dump. This is hockey. This isn't ringette. And then he pauses again on 
Louis like, well, how would you feel if you were Louis Erickson right now? And I stopped and I was like, you know, the smart answer would be, I'd feel pretty bad, you know, cause I'm hurt, but I couldn't help myself. I'm like, Shani Louis makes around 7 million bucks a year. So I think he's doing okay. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being Louis Erickson right now. And he just lost it, stood up. He's like, how can you make a joke at this time? Like he's hurt. He is, he's injured. You're healthy. You're sitting here. I can't believe you'd say that. My GM just shaking his head. John, you dummy. Like you're going to get, you're going to get more games. And so I got more games. I got seven games. I probably was only going to get five, but what are you going to do? I, and like you said, I wouldn't mind being Andrew Ladd right now. He makes $5.5 million, but how, how much does it hurt to know you're getting traded for nothing. It's like that famous scene in Moneyball when Billy Bean's talking to David Justice in the batting cages. He's like, man, you pay my salary. He's like, no, the Yankees pay your salary. They're paying you to play against them. It's just such a great scene. That's happening with Andrew Lott. Like, it's so great. But anyways, he's going to Arizona. The New York Islanders get rid of his cap. They get rid of Jordan Eberle. They get rid of the, get rid of the aforementioned Nick Letty. That's $17.5 million they're getting off of their books. And they still have all their pieces in play. They still have all their top guys. The New York Islanders have set themselves up to just have an unbelievable offseason. They're moving into back into their new rink. They were contenders the last two years. They have a ton of salary cap. Lula Amorello's at the helm. Look out for the New York Islanders next year. Honestly, I said that this year with them. They are going to be so good next year. I would not be surprised if they took a run at Landeskog, if they took a run at a Tyson Berry, if they took a run at some other guys to kind of just make them even more of a juggernaut than they already are. It's, it's really exciting what they've done in a year where it's like, where are we going to find money? Lou Lamorello has quietly gone about his way saying, oh, you, you know, everybody's having trouble with cap. Watch this. Letty, Everly, Lad, gone, gone, gone. It's amazing how he continues to do this. Well, but there's some pressure there too because those are two good players, Eberle and, and uh, Letty, right? Like you, you have to get better now. Like you have to sign someone. You trade for someone. Otherwise, you're gonna you're not gonna be you're gonna be worse than last year, right? So like well, you can't get rid of those contracts and then just like hey, now we got some cap room to like maybe make a deal of the deadline. No, you got to get someone now. Then that's the thing. There are players available. There's Dougie Hamilton. There's Landeskog, Taylor Hall, who potentially is off the market. There's guys up and like even a couple guys from Montreal who I think should go to a team as a package of Philip Deneau and a Thomas Tatar. I think you take those two guys. They've shown they had chemistry. Send them to the Islanders. You know what I mean? Put them on your third line. There you go. You, you give them both eh, like 4 million bucks. I think that works for both of them. And you just let them go. I think it'd be so great. You got a Tyson Berry, you got Blake Coleman, you got David Krejci, Jaden Schwartz. Like there are guys out there who you can get. Not to mention those two guys in Minnesota who they just waived, Suter and Parisi. Like there are players out there who they can get to replace Everly and Letty. Not like it's easy. They'll do it. Lamorello is a genius of a GM. He He doesn't get his due, but it's going to be very fun to see what happens on the island because they, gosh, they're already loaded on talent. They're going to get Brock Nelson back. He was hurt during the playoffs. That would have maybe tilted the favor in their direction when they played Tampa Bay. But boy, oh boy, don't look now. The New York Islanders are setting themselves up to have a really, really good year again next year. And the team in their division, your, your Boston Bruins, Tim, they're slowly circling the wagons on a guy they picked up at the deadline. What are you hearing on your man, Taylor Hall? Yeah, Taylor Hall was reported last night and again this morning that they're looking at signing him for a $6 million average deal for four years, so 24 total. 
um, which is right in the money. I think is exactly what you want from him, especially like I saw a stat this morning that when he's on the ice for five on five, since they, in the regular season when they picked him up, they outscored opponents 15 to one. So he, he makes a difference and that's a pretty staggering number there. So um, he also has great chemistry with Krejci, which is the big question mark for me. If I'm Taylor Hall, I want to know who the second line center is I'm going to be playing with, right? Right now they don't have one. They got Bergeron and they have Charlie Coyle. There's a third line guy. He's not a second line center. So I, I kind of wonder if there's like this right now, this morning, uh, Don Sweeney talk, told the press that Krejci has not announced his plans for the season yet, but I'm thinking they must have conversation, to, even Hall and Krejci specifically. Like, wouldn't you want to know who you're going to be playing with if you sign a multi-year deal? Because right now they don't have anyone else. And I, I don't know. I, I have to imagine those conversations have been had. You would think so. I, I don't think they happen as often as you would think this. I don't think the NHL is like, I know the NHL is not like the NBA where guys are calling around, recruiting, getting people's, you know, inside information. Like, hey, man, what do you think? He's calling Landeskog. He's calling all these. That doesn't happen in the NHL. I think it's more, you know, you're an individual. You're going to do what's best for you. You're not trying to create a juggernaut team. This isn't the NBA, but I bet you they did have a conversation at the end of the season. Like, what are you thinking? Where's your head at? And then they go their separate ways. And then that's the end of it. And gosh, Don Sweeney is such a wild card. You know, we saw last year, and we mentioned it was Zane Ochara. It's like, oh, he's going to come back. He's a Bruin legend. He's going to retire here. They're going to raise his number to the rafters. And you think of the same thing with Krejci. But is it Krejci or Krejci? I don't know. Don't, don't really care. I'm sorry. What, what do you do? Like, he's, he's not a young chicken anymore. He's coming off a pretty good deal. He's 35 years old. He's been in Boston his whole career where does this fall? Does he give you a hometown discount? Do you give him a raise because he's done so much for you? I don't know what Boston should do in this situation. He's still fairly productive, but for how long, you know, he's obviously had some injury issues the last few years. If I'm Boston, I'm not investing more than two years in this guy. I, I, I can't see you going over that. And if you're David Krejci, you want to play maybe a little bit longer. You want that two or three to four year deal. So I think that's where they're going to butt heads is the term. And I think David Krejci knows the number is not going to be there. Three to four million, I think is right where he should be. And that would be fair for both sides. But gosh, I think Hall would like him to be back. But I don't think it's a deal breaker for Taylor Hall if he doesn't come back. They have enough cap space, like we mentioned before. They got, what, 20 some million dollars left, $28 million dollars. Minus Hall's, whatever you said, six. They got still $20 million to play with. They got to get a goalie. Tukaras is still not signed. What do they do with him? They got Darth Vader. So what's going to happen there? I don't know. But gosh, the step one is getting Hall signed. He, he's the main cog that they want to get back. They traded for him at the deadline. The beautiful thing in that situation is they both want it. They both want it. You know what I mean? There, there's no even inkling of Taylor Hall wanting to go anywhere else. He wanted to go to Boston the last time he was a free agent. He didn't. He signed with Buffalo. He wants to stay in Boston. Boston wants to keep him. So there was no like beating around the bush, his agent being like, you know, we're going to play the market. It's like, you know, I want you. We know you want me. So let's just get this deal done. So anyways, we'll see what happens. Another team in that division, hopefully when things open up, is the Montreal Canadiens. So they have a peculiar, almost a Tampa Bay-like situation where one of their main cogs is hurt. Shea Weber. And I don't know. Enlighten me on Shea Weber, Tim. You know a little more about this than I do. Yeah. So um, Eric Angles reported this morning that Bergevin had a, this, you know, this press conference and said Shea Weber has had several injuries, including the ankle, foot, knee, and thumb. And this is a quote here from Bergevin. 
Even missing a practice wasn't an option for him. He has a lot of mileage. He won't be back next season and probably won't be back for his career, which is just devastating news for Montreal fans. Shea Weber obviously is, deserves to go out on his own terms and to have his body kind of to shut down like that after such a great playoff run and probably not ever play an NHL game again is really just, just too bad. On a personal level, it's really bad. You know, he, he's a heck of a player. He's had a heck of a career. He's been in the league for, gosh, I want to say 16 years. You know, he, he's, he's played really, really well. Like Bergevin said, he doesn't play an easy game. He plays a hard man's game where he leans on you. He's constantly throwing his body into situations. He's a beast. You know what I mean? Like, he, he literally is a beast. And for him to not be able to play, it's got to be tough for him. On a professional level, a Montreal Canadiens business level, this is fantastic for the Montreal Canadiens. This guy is still under contract for four more years, making $7.8 million. So if he does get, go on long-term injury reserve and is unable to play, that's huge for this team. They can get out from under that contract, which already was tough. It takes their salary cap from $14 million up to $22 million. And all of a sudden, you're a player in free agency. You can go and add some pieces. And yeah, Shea Weber was good, but arguably, and this is no slight on Shea Weber, you could find a defenseman next year to be just as good as Shea Weber for probably $1.5 million. Come on, John. No. I'm being, I'm being honest. You know, he, he isn't as young as he used to be. He's no spring chicken. The game's changed. You could get a guy to go out there and not do exactly what Shea Weber does, but to be just as effective for $1.52 bucks. And I truly okay. believe that. One point five. Okay, so Jamie Alexiak's making four and a half. Would you rather have him? Than I think what, Alexiak's way year? overpaid. I think that's right. a terrible contract. But which of those two would you rather have next year? One year. Weber or Alexiak? Yeah. Assuming well, Weber. I think Weber is better than Alexiak. I think they're both drastically overpaid. And being overpaid is not a bad thing. It means you game the system and you you were wanted. You know, you were valued and team were willing to pay you that much money. But when you look at the productivity you're getting from the contract, the return is not as good on the investment. And I feel like they're both way overpaid. I think Weber's a better player, but I feel like you can take a, a Dylan DeMello from Winnipeg. He's better than Weber at this point in this, this stage in you know, their career. If you look at the NHL right now, I would take a Dylan DeMello over Shea Weber. Any day, twice on Sunday. Is that factoring in Weber's body? Like he can't even, His whole lower half of his body is dysfunctional right now. Yes, it factors in everything right now. If Shea Weber comes back and he's a bionic man and he's super healthy, I'm taking Shea Weber. But he's not. He's got some dings and he's banged up. He might never play again in his career. And I would even have said this last year, just because the game has changed. It's just a different situation now. It's not the same game Shea Weber came into 15 years ago where you're going to be able to hold and hack and bang and do this. And like, that's really valuable. It's a puck moving type game right now. I would trade. Yeah. I would trade Dylan DeMello for Shea Weber like yesterday. I don't know. It's, it's very shrewd. It's very Bill Belichick for me to say that, but it's honest. I don't think people like to hear it, but it's like, it, it is what it is. He's had a great career, but you know, if, if you replace a Ryan Suter in Montreal, you're getting a way better defenseman at a lesser term. So it's a, it's a win for both sides. Shea's still going to get his money. He's still going to get all that. It's not like it just goes away. He's on long-term injury reserve. He's going to get that money. It's just not going to have Montreal Canadians on the top. It's going to have some insurance company. It's all amazing. When I, when I saw that news this morning, I was looking at his, uh, his hockey DP, DB page and all that and, and where he ranks among all-time defensemen in points. And it's not that high. It's top 50, but he's like in the 30s or 40s or something. Um, but would you have guessed that Ryan Suter has more points than him? 
Because yeah. in my mind, Weber's the better offensive defenseman. Suter's they're both like so close, I think, in, in talent. And Suter's a little bit more better defensively, and, and Weber's a little better offensively. But it's and and Suter's played about a thousand, not a hundred more games. He's got like twenty more points or something. So if Weber played the same amount, he'd probably be right there. But but he has more points, and that really surprised me. No, it doesn't surprise me. I think when you think of Shea Weber, you think, boom, he's got that shot. Ryan Suter is a pretty good player. Like, who do you think was passing Shea Weber all those pucks for all those years? Like, he's a good defenseman. Even in Minnesota, he was not really – everyone thought of Spurgeon. Everyone thought of Dumba. You think of these guys, but it's – no, no, it doesn't surprise me. They're both really good defensemen. They're they're world-class defensemen. Will either of them make the Hall of Fame, Tim? Yes or no? And we're doing both of them, Suter or Weber. Uh, I had to, you know, I, I can't do it off the top of my head. I have to really dig in, but I'm going to say no. I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I err on the side of knowing a lot of these things, but yeah. who knows how the hall class is going to end up. They got to, you know, send someone in there. I, I think if there's going to be one that's going to go, it's going to be Weber just based on, you know, his Olympics, his overseas play. Suter has played in the Olympics, but it hasn't had the success as Shea Weber has had. So I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. Hopefully Shea Weber can figure something out. Maybe it'll be a Nikita Kucherov type situation where he sits out the regular season, miraculously comes back for the playoffs, leads Montreal to the Stanley Cup and all is right in the world and everybody's happy except for all the fans that hate Montreal and they game the system. But we'll see. Too bad for him. Very excited to see Seattle with all their new players. We'll see how it kind of pans out with the trades tonight. We'll see what happens in the UFA, the free agency. Oh, and then the NHL drafts around the corner. There's still a ton of stuff going on. The GMs are going to be busy. We're going to be busy. Thank you for listening to us. It's going to be a great offseason. Anything to add, Tim? No, no. Looking forward to seeing what happens tonight. All right, everybody. Have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.